I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. What's up, Hells fans? Welcome back to The Bird Call. This is a podcast dedicated to SB Nation's TheBirdRights.com. Now, today we are talking Ian Clark with a very special guest, Mason Ginsburg of Bourbon Street Shot. So let's get right to it. Mason, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for inviting me on. Oh, my gosh. Thank you again for coming on. I talked to Mason about two months ago, so I'm so excited to have you back on. We have some exciting news to get to, as reported by Shams of the Vertical. But first, you guys, don't forget to give Mason a follow at Mason Ginsburg, and you can find all of his work on bourbonstreetshots.com, including his newest article discussing Chris Finch. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. His interview with Chris Gordy of Sports 1280, a lot of really good stuff, talking about how guys on offense will need to sacrifice, uh, how he's really promoting transition, po positionless basketball, really interesting stuff. Make sure you go and check that out. But uh, Mason, let's talk Ian Clark. A lot of us had him as a candidate for the full mid-level this offseason. Some even argued that Steve Kerr was purposely playing Patrick McCaw over him in order to keep his free agency interest low. The Lakers were said to be interested by the Los Angeles Times. And at that point, it seemed likely that he might return to Golden State at the minimum after that was rebuffed by the same people. But then the Warriors used their mid-level on Nick Young, whom the Pelicans were said to be super close to signing. And then they used a veteran minimum on former Pelican Omri Caspi, clearing the path for Ian Clark to join the Pelicans. Mason, is this six degrees of separation or what? Ha. Yeah, it's uh, it just goes to show you um, how fluid markets are in the offseason, because I, I didn't have him at the full mid-level, but I definitely thought he would get more, more than the minimum. And, you know, he probably could have got more than minimum somewhere. He could have gotten someone's part of someone's exception. But um you know, it, it think Marcus just changes as, as the offseason progresses, and uh, the Pelicans took advantage, and I, I, he they must have sold him on um, on an important role with this team. Obviously, he took a one year deal because he's betting on himself and thinks he can make more money in the next offseason. Obviously, it's going to be a very uh, there have already been things written about how tight next summer is going to be for some for some free agents hoping to make it big, but um, but you know, I, I I like the fit. I think getting him for the minimum is obviously great. Um, he's a he's a great shooter it's the one thing i've stressed i didn't uh get to watch him a ton apart from obviously the uh the times golden state was on uh on national tv which was uh, admittedly a lot but he's definitely he's definitely a good shooter that's the one thing i've been i've been you know kind of harping on he, he shot 
He made 42.5% of his threes in college on 800 attempts, which is um, pretty darn impressive. And then uh, he's shot well in, uh, in the NBA, career 80% free throw shooter. Just um, a, lot of, a lot of numbers point to the fact that he's going to do uh, really well for the for the Pelicans uh, beyond the arc. But uh, the, the, the big question is what else he can, he can bring to the team uh, in a backup role. Definitely. I was listening to uh, Danny LaRue and Nate Duncan, and they, uh, they're they pretty low on him, actually. They label him as just a fantastic spot-up shooter who doesn't offer a little bit else. Before I get into that, uh, I want to touch upon something that you mentioned. You mentioned the market uh, changing uh, with the, the the salary cap being a bit lower than teams had anticipated going forward this year and years to come, uh, we may see. But I, w- I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, based on that, the last time we spoke, we talked about how Dell Demps seemingly saved his job with the DeMarcus Cousins trade, just uh, unloading him for Buddy Heald and some salary cap fodder and a future first round pick this season. Now we go forward at the time. It was so astounding to see a, a superstar, potential top 10, top 20 player go for so little. And then this offseason, we've seen that happen again with, with Jimmy Butler, with, um, sorry, forgive me, Paul George, and now potentially with Kyrie Irving retracing your steps back to all-star break do you still see the demarcus cousins as a as a major score or do you just think this is what the market is nowadays no it's it's still a major score it's just if you look at what the pelicans had to offer from an asset perspective i mean that was that was it yeah i I think what you've seen with some of these big with these superstars going for maybe below market rates is that gm's and front offices fall in love with certain players. And uh, I think with in the case of the Jimmy Butler trade, they were big fans of Chris Dunn and they wanted to, to, to get him. And so um, the package they got, they felt they felt good with. I, I think it was a ripoff, but they like it. Um, I'm not as sure with the uh, Oklahoma City trade. Uh, they must have really liked uh, either Oladipo or Sabonis. Um, but I mean, that, I think that's that's more of what you're seeing. Uh, the, the Pelicans still absolutely had to make the trade that they did. And I think it was still a, uh, absolutely a, a great move for them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I've been very surprised with some of the, some of the asking prices for the stars this off season. I mean, we don't need to go too much into Kyrie Irving, but many of the reports are the the Suns as the likeliest candidate to be the partner in the swap and Eric Bledsoe and Josh Jackson being the counterparts to go along with that trade. And you know, just from rumors and conjectures that the, the Suns seemingly aren't willing to part with Eric Bledsoe and Josh Jackson just seems unfathomable to me. I, I, you know, everybody always harps on how important it is to have a superstar and these teams have the opportunity to get one and they seemingly won't pull the trigger. Uh, it's just very interesting how, like you said, the market is changing. But I do want to talk a bit about Boogie again before we get into Ian Clark. There was an interview uh, by Chris Mannix in the vertical this morning, and Boogie said, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. A lot of things happen in our lives. We kind of think of it as a mistake or a bad time, or some people call it adversity, whatever the case may be. But I think the trade happened for the right reason, and I'm happy where I am. That sample size we got last season is the reason I'm so confident. I believe we can make it work. I think we're going to surprise a lot more people than uh, than people actually expect. For some reason, we're being counted out. That's okay. We're going to surprise a lot of people this season. Boogie has been said to be very active in recruiting for the Pelicans this offseason. How much of a factor do you think Boogie is having on these additions? And how positive of a sign is the Rondo Clark acquisitions for the Pelicans going forward in terms of re-signing Boogie? I, I think he's definitely made a difference. Uh, we know. 
from history and by his own admission, uh, I, I can't remember, it was probably a year or two ago at this point, but AD isn't that much of a, a recruiter. Um, he's not, he's more of the, um, more of a passive type of leader, um, uh, which is not a knock on him. I mean, he, everyone, everyone has their own role and he does it. He, he does what he does on the court and that's, that should be enough to recruit, uh, many talented players, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it was pretty obvious the impact that cousins had on, on bringing Rondo to New Orleans. And, uh, uh, we, I think a lot of us were thinking that Rondo might get more than he ended up getting. And I think, I think for the, for the price, uh, I'm not, I wasn't a huge fan of the Rondo signing on day one, but for the, the money they got him for, I think it's, I think it's fine, especially given the the locker room presence that he, he provides. I mean, you saw um, Bobby Porta saying he's been, he, he called Rondo the best teammate he's had in his, in his young career, which I think speaks, speaks volumes. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I think Cousins definitely has, has made an impact. Um, and he's definitely more of a more of the vocal type, and that's something that New Orleans needed. And um, I, as far as the Ian Clark signing, I'm not sure that could have been more along the lines of uh, of Gentry and and Darren Ehrman. Uh, you, you just never know, or or the the role that was uh, uh, proposed to him. So a lot of different factors, especially again with Clark taking a one year deal, he probably wanted to find a the situation that works best for him. And I think seeing a team with AD and Boogie down low, his eyes maybe. Uh, got big for the chance to knock down some open shots and then make, make some more money next summer. So, um, so a lot, a lot of moving parts, but uh, I think Cousins is definitely a part of it. So we've got Rajon Rondo at 3.3, uh, Ian Clark at 1.6, which I think is the veteran minimum. And then Jordan Clarkson just became, uh, I'm sorry, Clarkson Crawford just became fully guaranteed at 1.7, a little bit more than Ian Clark. Uh, so how close are the Pelicans against the hard cap by your estimation? Spot rack has us at 118. What flexibility do they have going forward with one roster spot still available? Yeah, so I've I've got them at 118 in salary. I've got them at around 123 in uh, against the hard cap, and that's again because of uh, it's because of the, all the incentives and and uh, the contracts that Dell Demps gave out. So particularly the Drew Holiday contract, um, Solomon Hill hit his incentives last year, so they're going to be they're going to hit count towards the cap in the following year. Um, so we have about Two million to play with. Bobby Marks is one point five, so just estimate somewhere between one point five and two million right now. So not a lot. Uh, you, I, I, I think if the, the Pelicans will either find someone for around the minimum uh, and, and keep a little bit of wiggle room there for during the season if they need it, but uh, the other option obviously is to um, to move a to, to move a contract and try to because I mean Dante Cunningham still still sitting out there with his bird rights, and so um, w- will he sign for the minimum? I I kind of, I kind of doubt it. I, I think he can get more than more than that. Maybe not much more, but I, I think he's worth you know three to three to four million um, given the available talent left and the cap space left for for uh, various NBA teams. But um, so I mean, obviously, I, I think the most likely, e- the easiest per- to person to move if the Pelicans don't think that Quincy Pondexter is going to be healthy from day one, they can attach some cash to him and and, and move him. And that that'll give him some room out of the hard cap to bring back uh, a guy like Dante Cunningham. But uh, otherwise, they're 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 pretty restricted at this point. They don't really have much they can do, uh, assuming all the current players stay under contract for for the Pelicans. There's not really much more they can do apart from add someone for the minimum or maybe slightly above. 
Mason, take a take a moment to educate not just me, but also our listeners. I know the Pelicans still have the rights to two different trade exceptions. They've got the one that they acquired for Tim Frazier and the one of Buddy Heald. And I think uh, the two of them are somewhere around 3.5 and 2 million. Should the Pelicans get pressed up against the hard cap and need to free up some space, is it possible that they renounce these two uh, player exceptions and use that available space to bring somebody back like Dante Cunningham? Um, I mean, the exceptions aren't really um, up. They, they don't really matter in terms of, of of the hard cap. I mean, if you can't you can't go over the hard cap for any reason. So um, th- there's no. They really need to renounce them. The only the only way they would lose them is if they go. They were operating under the cap this year, which obviously is not the case. So they can hang on to them, and if they say stretch um, Ashik's contract, or they are able to trade Agenta and Pondexter, um, they can still use it to take on a player of that much money uh without having to send out anything in return so um so it, it's still it, they can still keep it in their back pocket the buddy healed one for 3.6 or, or or around there is expires at the trade deadline uh and then the uh Frazier one will expire next summer at some point so because uh, they expire one year after their um the, the trade is made so uh no you know they'll they'll have them if they want to use them uh at this point using it seems uh, unlikely, but uh, you never know if they shed some salary, they can, uh, you know, they can keep it and, and use it if the opportunity presents, presents itself. Great. We'll circle back to Dante Cunningham in a minute because I do want to touch upon the, the Pelican seeming uh, need of a third big. But for now, let's talk Ian Clark and let's talk about his role with the Pelicans. In the playoffs, he's utilized mostly as a as a spot-up shooter and uh, an under-the-backboard cutter, uh, a lot of movement, average 37% from three, a great shooter, like you said. His most impressive performance came in a battle of the backups between Golden State and San Antonio where he scored a career-high 36. Though he's listed as a point guard, I've never really seen him handle those responsibilities against like starter level competition. Do you see Ian Clark as the Pelicans third point guard behind Rajon Rondo and Drew Holiday? Or do you see him battling for spot up wing minutes with Etwan Moore, Jordan Crawford and Darius Miller? Uh, I really look at, apart from uh, Rajon Rondo, I, I, I look at the Pelicans entire backcourt of guards. This is just a bunch of combo guards. And so uh, I'm not really putting players in a pecking order first point guard or shooting guard. I think what you're going to see is Ronda, the starting point guard and holiday, the starting shooting guard. Then you've got a Twan Moore and Ian Clark and Jordan Crawford, who are all three of those guys are combo guards. I think the pecking order uh, will be, you know, more as the, the, the first guard off the bench and Ian Clark with him. And I think the odd man out right now, in, in my opinion, is Crawford just because he's a, he's just a wasteland on, on defense. I mean, we saw it last year and for as much as he helped the team offensively, he, he can't, he, he has trouble guarding anyone. So, uh, well, Ian Clark's no, um, stout defender himself. I think that, uh, I think he'll, he'll get first shot. Um, but you, you never know. I mean, that, I think the point is the Pelicans now have five legitimate combo guards with Rondo, maybe being the exception as only a point guard on offense, but he can certainly, if he's, uh, you know, engaged and motivated, he can, he can guard, the, the two guard as well with that crazy wingspan he has. So I, I think that was the point is getting a bunch of guys who can really play both spots and play with each other and, and um, surround cousins and AD with guys who can not just handle it, but, but shoot it as well. And I know that that's not really the case with uh, from a shooting perspective for, for Rondo. Um, it, it is the case for, for the rest of those guys to be at least, at least average to above average um, from, from beyond the arc. And the question is now we got just got to get guys to, to be ready to fire whenever they uh, get those looks. 
Yeah, and this definitely uh, goes back to the article you posted on Bourbon Street Shots, uh, where Chris Finch was quoted as saying that he didn't want to assign people to positions. He wanted positionless basketball. However, both Gentry and Finch are on the record stating that Rondo and Holiday will man the backcourt together. They'll sort of uh, take turns commanding the offense, although we should see a lot of staggering between them. Rondo last year averaged about 25 minutes. Holiday has never averaged more than 33 minutes as a Pelican. That should leave about 38 minutes uh, for, as you said, each one more Jordan Crawford and Ian Clark to fight over. However, uh, circling back to Dante Cunningham, right now behind Boogie and AD, the Pelicans are kind of on tepid ground with, uh, you know, Czech Diallo, who has shown a lot of promise, but uh, still lacking a lot of awareness defensively. And then Ajinsa and then Ashik, who still isn't recovered from his illness, spelling all the way back to February of last season. Uh, It was online today that he couldn't play for Turkey because he was still fighting that illness. Could this be an indication that outside of the starting and closing lineups, the Pelicans will be playing a lot of three guard small lineups, like you said, with Solomon Hill possibly manning the four? Uh, I, I think three guard makes makes a lot of sense at this point. I mean, you look at what, uh, for example, Houston did last year. Uh, you know, they, they played a lot of three guard lineups and played a reset at the four a decent amount with uh, either Capella or Anderson men in, men in the five. And so, well, obviously it's not the same kind of offensive firepower that, that Houston had. It's this kind of it's the same thought process. I think you'll see it a lot. Um, you know, I, I, Diallo, I, I see him playing maybe uh, a dozen minutes a game uh, and you need to find that. You know that that the extra minutes somewhere um, for I mean the, I think when when AD and Cousins aren't playing together you may just you, you'll either you'll see one of them at center or you could I mean you you could see one of them with with you know three guards and Hill like you said Hill playing some some small ball four um, I I do think that's a gap for 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 Dante Cunningham that that because I, I I do like him in that role I think he can still help the Pelicans team. Um, you know, it's just a question of whether then or not they can make that space at, at minimal co- minimal cost to them. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's. I think it's not by any means a. a I don't think this roster is completely finished at this point um, because they still have that last roster rush spot to fill out, and they have to figure out how it's going to be how it's going to be done. But um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not as concerned about the the, the front court, uh, the backup front court. I mean, Agenza is fine. For a, f- a few minutes a game, I mean, as your as your fifth big, he's okay. As your fourth big, eh, you're you're pushing it a little bit, especially when you already have t- AD and Cousins as two you know centers uh, on the roster. But uh, but you know, I, I think uh, the Pelicans have given themselves a lot of options by having uh, a decent amount of talent in the backcourt now, with especially with the Clark signing. Just to touch on Dante one final time, uh, he's you know, an active defender who can get out on the wing. He was the Pelicans' best shooter from three-point range last year, averaging 40%, although we all have that classic memory of him missing three corner threes in a row. Um, Are you concerned at this point in the summer? Not concerned. I shouldn't say concerned. uh, Maybe surprised is, is a better term that the Pelicans have not reached an agreement with him or carved out the space to bring him back. He seems like he fits what the Pelicans uh, have left remaining needs for uh, pretty perfectly. Yeah, I, I, at this point, it's easy to say that. But, you know, looking back a, a couple months ago, for example, I mean, yeah, the one sure thing that, that New Orleans had was the, the front court. It was it was Davis and Cousins, and they needed, you know, they needed some playmaking in the backcourt. They needed some shooting to help help them, uh, help, you know, help those two big guys. And uh, while Dante Cunningham was a sniper from the corner, uh, it's just one season's worth worth of data, and he's not going to be a guy who really 
stretches the defense. They're not going to rush out to guard him rather and leave leave those two big men down low. And while he certainly helps and fills a fills a need as like that three four kind of hot, uh, combo forward, kind of like Solomon Hill. Uh, he wasn't a he wasn't going to be the the first priority. He never was. And so um, it, it, the fact that he's still unsigned, um, it, it there's you could read a few things into it. You could read into the, that into the fact that maybe the New Orleans has had conversations with him and have even communicated him what they think they'll be able to pay him uh, if you know they can unload maybe say Pondexter salary if they think he's not going to be ready. Um, but or, or maybe he just hasn't gotten the kind of uh, interest in free agency that maybe he was hoping. And so, um, uh, so I mean, again, we'll see. And I do think he he fits as a as a piece for the for to kind of round out this roster at a reasonable cost. But um, uh, gotta make make a move uh, to make that happen. Uh, yeah. So Quincy Pondexter, someone you just touched upon, who uh, we really can't count on for meaningful minutes and we might end up dumping at some point anyway uh, a cost cutting move for some team in the NBA uh, however Gentry called him a very good player a very important player Del Demp said he would be a wonderful free agent acquisition uh, but Gentry contradicted himself on the Duncan Holder saying we need another guy at small forward maybe Q can play but we can't count on that someone is going to want to get on board speaking uh, for free agencies at a whole, we still have one remaining roster spot left, and we've we've talked at length about Dante Cunningham and whoever the fifteenth guy is may not see the floor at all. It might be a a nice spot to uh, I don't know take a flyer on somebody like a, a Charles Cook who just signed a two way contract, so seemingly he'd be fine there. But Darius Miller was given a portion of the MLE to spot up shoot and defend the three, and Solo, whom Gentry m- remarked played some of the best wing defense in the NBA, is penciled in as the starter at this point of the off season. Do you think our wing depth uh, in our backcourt and at small forward is set in stone? Um, uh, it's, I mean, I, I think that's the that's the one thing that's kind of uh, in question right now. So, I mean, the front court's good, the the backcourt the backcourt's good, and now the wings. So the question, I mean, I think you're gonna like we talked about before, you're gonna see a lot of three guard lineups. So how important is it to really have? Uh, an, another guy who can really be counted on for a, a bunch of minutes at, at the wing. I don't, I don't know how important it is. I mean, especially how confident you are in Darius Miller. I am skeptical, um, but the team seems to like him. And, and some of the, the um, people who have been covering uh, basketball overseas have had the really good things to say about how he's uh, produced, uh, produced over there. And so um, hopefully he can fill, fill a void and, and take up 10, 15 minutes a game for, for new Orleans. But Otherwise, they're they're going to have to figure something out, or they're going to have to play a, a lot of three guard lineups because um, they really don't have anything else unless uh, Pondexter surprises some people. So, um, again, that's I mean, a guy like Dante would be would be good to kind of fill that void, or uh, or or Cook. I mean, I I, I did like that two way signing. So I, I think that's what training camps for mo- mostly. I mean, because they 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 know what they've got on either extreme, but it's time to figure out how to piece together the, the, you know, that, that wing combination, if they're going to use a lot of guard play or if they're going to, um, if they think they can count on one of these guys, they picked up at the end of free agency. Well, Quincy and Solo definitely have no shortage of confidence. I don't know how much you follow these guys on, on Twitter and Instagram and keep up with any of their posts. Uh, I think it was about two weeks ago. Solo, uh, I buried Graham McQueen on Twitter. I think he was, Making making fun of him, saying uh, Graham mentioned that he could shoot threes better than him. I I didn't really keep up too much of it, but Solo chimed in and seemingly put him down. And of course, Quincy Pondexter is doing all these uh, one legged squats with you know 185 pounds on his back. So both of these guys are feeling very kind of 
confident. They're both anticipating that they're going to have a, a, a good season. So that's encouraging to see. Do you follow any of this stuff on Twitter? Uh, I mean, some of it. I, I, Pondex has been posting that stuff for a year, so I don't even bother paying attention to it anymore. Um, I, I mean, it, it, it's great that he's working out, but until he until he plays a minute for for New Orleans, even in the, even the, in even a preseason game, I would take that a lot more seriously than some of the social media workouts he's posting. But uh, but with Hill, yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. We we posted a uh, an R.I.P. Graham McQueen post on Bourbon Street Shots, and and all and a few of us said some words uh, in memory of his of, of his Twitter presence, and so it was it was pretty funny. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean it's it, it's all it's all in good fun, and uh, you know I, I I love the confidence that Sol- Solomon Hill has, and I, I you know I hope he's uh, you know it was his first year with a really really big role uh, last year, and while he was good defensively, he kind of came up short on the offensive end, so. Hopefully he can, uh, you know, take us take a step forward this season. I don't think we should expect it, but I think it would be, um, a, it definitely would be a very very pleasant surprise. Now, for all this talk about the the backcourt and the three guard lineups that we just discussed, uh, we really never mentioned our our second round pick, Frank Frank Jackson. Does the Ian Clark signing promise a redshirt season, barring injury, for the Duke point guard? I think so. I mean, he's a sixth guard at this point. I mean, if you look at how the Pelicans treated Diallo last year. I think it's. I think you're going to see something similar. Maybe he gets. Uh, if he's getting minutes, it's. Uh oh, is probably the reaction because that means that we we have had a decent amount of injuries or that things have gone up in flames and it's the end of the season. We're trying to get him, him some meaningful minutes. So um, I, I don't expect him to make have much of an impact this this season. Um, I'm. Looking forward to seeing what he does in the D-League. It's too bad that our D-League team won't come into play until the next next season because um, it would be great to have the, uh, the Pelicans have their own team and have him running you know, the, the, their offensive game plan. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's okay, and uh, I'm sure he'll be able to get some, uh, get some good run in, uh, in the D-League. The second uh, dunked on mentioned in this podcast, I was listening to their Western Conference preview, and they gave the Pelicans an offseason grade of a D. They both agreed. Uh, though it was recorded before the Clark edition. They cited the holiday overpay, the questionable fit with Rondo, and the lack of salary dumping. Uh, dumping. Post-Ian Clark, what is your offseason grade for the Pelicans? Um, I I'd say, I'd say it, the Ian Clark signing makes a big difference because uh, it's – I mean, before the Clark signing, I was – wondering why the hell they triggered the hard cap. I mean, they had done nothing to really merit merit that. I, I didn't think Darius Miller, I mean, you Rondo signed for what could have, what, you know, what could have been the the taxpayer, Emily, uh, him and him and Jack, Frank Jackson kind of filled most of that up. And it seemed like, you know, Pelican signed Darius Miller to, and, and now trigger the hard cap. And so, um, but with the signing of Ian Clark, it, it makes it it makes it worth it for me. That, that's that's valuable rotation depth that they added for a very reasonable cost. Um, so I mean, I, I still I don't think the grades great by any stretch. I mean, they did overpay Drew, not drastically so, but they did they did overpay him. Um, the, the contract incentives that they put put on this contract that could be that could hamstring them for years to come um, in the sense of the hard cap because they're going to, he's going to have an extra 4 million in incentives every year that will, if they trigger the hard cap that will apply towards the hard cap. And so that I'm not, I don't really, I don't love that, that move. I, I'm waiting to see what these incentives are because if they're like, some of them are ridiculous, like, Oh, for Omer Ashik, for example, those, those incentives were like uh, 
all defense, like second team, all defense, stuff like that, where it's like two hundred worth 250 K something that he obviously was never going to do. And so, but you know, that has implications for the hard cap. If you have, you know, if you get close to it. So um, I, I'd say overall, maybe, maybe B minus C plus something like that. I mean, I, I think they, they didn't have much that they could do going into the off season. If they were going to keep drew uh, and based on that, they, they did, they, they did fairly well with the limited wiggle room that they had. So, um, so yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's fair. Last question. Anthony Davis uh, said last week that he's tired of losing, which sent me into a full blown panic because, you know, all of a sudden I'm looking down the line of this year and I see the Pelicans not making the playoffs and Boogie leaving and Anthony Davis saying he wants out like all the other superstars are seemingly doing nowadays. However, with the additions of Darius Miller, Ian Clark, Rajon Rondo and Chris Finch, do you think this, the the losing stops this season? <laughs> I do. Um, I, obviously, the Western Conference depth is madness. Uh, it's worse, or I guess, better than it's than it's ever been. Um, I, I I still don't have them. I mean, I, I think I think they're around the seventh best team in the West right now. Um, I, I I think they're. You know, they're, they're ceiling if everything clicks. I mean, they've got enough depth and, and they've got two, you know, they got one top five, top 10 player and one top 15 player. Um, they, I, they were a top 10 defensive team last year. They, their, their uh, net rating in March uh, was top seven in the league. I mean, this team, like, like Cousins said in that interview, like they, they have a sample size that, um, that, that is, you know, worth paying attention to uh, the entire month of March um, after, you know, af- after the, they kind of adjust to having cousins in the lineup and then before they shut everyone down, that, that's basically March right there. And um, I, I, you know, I'm optimistic. I mean, the, the, the problem is again, the, uh, the, the Western conference and how, how damn deep it is. And so, um, you know, seventh seed, seventh or eighth seed makes sense. I, I would, the seventh seed is probably where I would put my money right now um but i mean you could have a 51 team miss the playoffs this year in the west like that's that's how deep this uh this conference is and so they'll they'll win they'll they'll i think between 45 and 50 wins is is totally reasonable um just question is how far does that get you and uh with a conference so uh so stacked yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited, too. The last time we, we talked, we talked about how it, it does take time to to mesh all these new personalities and these playing styles. And I definitely anticipate that adding Rondo to the mix, things could get bumpy the first week. However, when you, when you see the excitement level on these guys, and I understand that I'm just getting excited in August, and you hear Boogie say things like, we're going to surprise a lot of people this season, you can't help but not be confident. And 45 to 50 wins... Sounds like a, a wonderful foundation going forward and a, a, an opportunity to bring Boogie back. I, I think that's all it would take. Uh, and then seemingly we'd have to figure out a way to bring everybody else back because we're going to be in the exact same position cap-wise going into next season without uh, you know the burn rights to any of these guys. But Mason, thank you so much. Uh, this is my second time getting the opportunity to chat with you. I've been a follower and a fan for, for many years, so it's truly a pleasure. And I hope I can hit you up for a bit of your time again soon. Yeah, um, absolutely. This was uh, this was fun. I uh, appreciate it, and I look forward to doing it again soon. Before I let you go again, uh, just tell our listeners a bit about your work on Bourbon Street Shots. Obviously, your article on Chris Finch and what you've got coming up. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even want to take credit for that. That was a great. That was a great interview that I got the heads up on, and uh, just kind of took away my. I 
they said wrote that's just the, the highlights and what what I, what I you know found to be most interesting. So it was a really good interview. We recommend listening to the whole thing about 15 minutes long. Um, but I've been I've been mostly cap focused uh, this summer, trying to figure out uh, what, what what's going on with the what what the team is uh, is thinking from a financial perspective throughout the summer, and uh, um, you know doing a little bit of uh, a, you know basketball stuff uh, as well. Obviously, figuring out you know, what the who's who's going to play where and how this how the pieces all fit together but um you know august is definitely a, a slow month from an nba perspective but, but we have a lot of a lot to look forward to and we'll you know as, as a site for site as a whole we'll be uh active getting ready for the uh for the new season mason thanks again yep absolutely have a good one all right thank you again to mason ginsburg you can follow him and the rest of his team at bourbon street shots and thank all of you for tuning in the ian clark signing was an exciting and a very unexpected one and i appreciate you guys taking some of your uh, day to hear about it with us a big shout out to the birdrights.com and our chief and commander ali cassell be sure to visit the site and get all the latest in rumors analysis and all things pelicans including in-depth looks on new two-way acquisitions jalen jones and Charles Cook. And don't go too far, because we will be back tomorrow afternoon with Christian Rivas of 16winsaring.com, followed by old man Ollie and Kevin on Friday. But for now, let's go pals. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Geico presents Yikes! Another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.